The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Series entitled uh, "Be Different, Make a Difference," and we're coming to the, the final um, installment of this series. And we've looked at things like being ambassadors, being sheep. Uh, being witness and what that all looks like. And today, the, the topic we're going to unpack um, is the topic of missions, being being on missions. And um, it's important to, to to clarify what I mean by that, what, what I'm going to be unpacking this morning. And we, we use the phrase being missional um, in various ways, and we use that um, in, the, in the term of um, outreaching the people that we know in our workplaces, etc. Uh, but this morning, particularly when I talk about missions, I'm using it in a, in a very... Um, small or, or uh, direct um, definitional sense. And I'm talking about um, the idea of going cross-culturally. Um, in the Bible, we see that missions, um, yes, it involves preaching the gospel, and we should be doing that wherever we are. But particularly missions means to go cross-culturally, whether that be um, overseas um, or to other remote um, indigenous communities in our own country, etc. Um, and so this morning when I use that phrase and I talk about the word missions, that's what I'm referring to. And so um, I think it's helpful to clarify that um, before we get going. And what we're going to see today, there is, today is that there is a huge need for missions in the world. Um, and I want to start by sharing some t- statistics with you um, to help you see and understand that, that need. Um, and it comes from an organization called Global Frontiers, um, which put out an informational video a few years ago um, about the, the, the need for missions in the world. Um, it's estimated that about 33% of the world um, uh, call themselves Christians or, or identify themselves as Christians. Now, whether they are um, nominal Christians, uh, true believing Christians, um, whether they say that they're Christian because their family is Christian, they're, they're all part of that 33%. They call themselves Christian. And we're going to call them World A, right? So World A, 33% are Christian. We have World B, which consists of about um, 38% of the remaining, um, out of the remaining uh, percentage, uh, which we're calling World B, which are people who have the gospel and have the Bible in their own language. They've got churches um, in their vicinity. They've got Christians in their area. Uh, but they've chosen to reject the gospel. They've chosen to say, look, I- I'm not a believer. I can read the Bible. I can read and hear the gospel in my own language, but I'm choosing not to believe. World C consists of about 29% of people which don't have the Bible in their own language. They don't have um, a a substantive or or, um, self-sufficient church in their area, in their language, with their people group. Um, And so they don't know the gospel. They can't hear the gospel. And that accounts for about 29% of the world's population. Now, out of the 33% in World A, the Christians... It's estimated that one out of 1,800 will go as a missionary, will go um, on missions. But out of those one out of 1,800, 72% of them go to world A countries, countries where the majority of people claim to be Christian. Um, 72%. 25% go to world B, where they have um, the Bible and churches in their own language. Um, and only about 3% go to world C, the, the, the 29% of the people that don't have the gospel. And about missions giving, only about 1% of all finances earned by Christians in that 33% go towards missions. So it's about $45 billion um, as of a few years ago. But only 1% of that, only 1% of that $45 billion goes to world C. 
So in other words, there's 3% of the mission's force armed with 1% of the mission's giving going to reach 29% of the world. 3% of the mission's force, 1% of the mission's giving going towards reaching 2 billion people in our world. If these stats don't show it already, there's such a huge need for missions in our world, for the gospel to go out to the nations. So, so this morning, we're going to unpack three things. We're going to look firstly at the goal of missions. What is the goal, the purpose of missions? Secondly, we'll look at what is the message of missions. And finally, we're going to look at the call to missions. And in this third section, um, it's going to be, I hope, very um, application-focused. Um, so if um, you're, you're, you're liking that, you're excited for that, it'll come in the third and final section. So I'm going to open us up in prayer, um, and then we'll jump into um, our sermons this morning. Uh, Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity um, each and every Sunday to come around your Word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to study it um, in our language, uh, to worship in a community of faith, Lord. And uh, we pray that as we unpack this topic of missions, Lord, and we look at what your heart is, Lord God, we pray that you'd help us to have a similar heart, uh, Lord God, to, to, to be open to what your word says about missions. Father, I pray that you'd guard my words as well and help me to be faithful to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the goal of missions, and what we're going to do in this section is we're going to unpack a passage in 1 Chronicles. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Chronicles, 6, chapter 16, um, verse 8 to 27. It's a bit of a long passage. And we're going to be answering the question, what is the goal of missions? What's the purpose of missions? Why do we have missions? Why do we, we do it? Now, to give a bit of context for this passage, um, it comes at a point where um, in, in, in Israelite history where the Ark of the Covenant is coming back to Israel um, and David's created a tent and um, he's now teaching the people how to worship God um, now that they've, they've, they've got the, the Ark back with them. And this is what it says from verse 8 through to 27. It says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim His name, make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name, let the heart of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. You his servants, the descendants of Israel, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you, I will give the land of Canaan as, a portion, as the portion you will inherit. When they were but few in number, few indeed and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake, he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. 
And so this morning, what we see very clearly and what we want to unpack for us is this idea that the goal of missions is for the nations to worship God. The goal of missions is for the nations to worship God. Listen again to what it says in in, in verse 8. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Verse 24, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds amongst all peoples. I wonder if you can imagine the scene of what's going on here when David is speaking. He's, he's, he's telling the people, say, hey, this, this God is so marvelous. He's so wonderful. He's the promise maker. He's the covenant keeper that he's kept his promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, now forefathers. He is such a good and amazing God that's done amazing things. And so we need to go and tell all the peoples of the earth. All nations need to hear about this God. All nations need to know what he has done and the deeds that he has done. Um, has done. And not only that, it's he, uh, David makes the point that the idols, the, the gods that the other nations worship are, are but idols, but the Lord, Yahweh, the God of Israel, is the one who made the heavens. In other words, the, the biggest thing you can think of, the heavens and everything underneath it, was created by this God. He's the one that made every single nation. He's the one that made every single language. He's the one that made every single person and every material possession under the heavens. And so that's why the nations need to hear about this one true God. We see that the the end goal of missions is for all the nations to be able to worship God like that, for all of them to be able to declare that He is marvelous, that He is wonderful, that He is the one true God. John Piper, in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, he says this about the goal of missions. He says it's to to bring the nations into white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. In other words, it's it's doing what, what David tells these people to do, for all the nations to be able to say that God is great. God is marvelous. He is wonderful. He is worthy to be praised. And we see that in David's time, Israel was, a, was, a, was pretty much the only nation where, where God was doing these kinds of good works, and they were the people of God. And so there was a lot of nations that didn't know who God was and didn't know about His goodness. But we see even today that need is still there. 29% of our world don't know Jesus They don't know what he has done. They don't know who he is. They don't have access to the gospel in their own language and a self-sufficient church, etc., etc. And so this morning, how does that idea, the idea of missions being about bringing the nations into worship, how does that sit with you in your heart? We've been unpacking this theme of kingdom throughout this ministry year. And at various times, we've talked about what is the king of the kingdom about? And we see here that the king of the kingdom is about the nations. The goal of the mission is about bringing the nations to worship him. And if that's the the heart of God, if that's what God is about, if that's what God is seeking to see in our world, then us as believers need to be about the same thing. Us as believers need to be passionate about seeing the nations reached and coming into worship of God. But how do we go in this? If you ask yourself, is that something that you're passionate about? Have you, are you someone that thinks regularly about the nations, that prays for the nations, that maybe has that opportunity to go? Or are we, are we content just doing our own thing here in Sydney? That missions, that's for, for someone else. That's for some kind of special category of Christian. That's not for me. I'm not interested in that at all. 
This morning, I want us to see that that shouldn't be our response. The goal of missions is for the nations to worship God. But before we go any further, I want us to think about that for a moment. Imagine you went, let's say you went overseas or you went to another culture and you said, hey, you should just worship God. Trust me, just just worship God. Trust me, he's good, I I know. We've all seen ads for movies and uh, we've seen them maybe on TV. And we see that they'll show uh, the trailer and then they'll throw in a little line saying, starring, you know, Academy Award winner Morgan Freeman or Oscar winning actor or actress, blah, blah, blah. What, What are they trying to do there? They're trying to say that, hey, the, the things that this actor has done has shown that he's a great actor or she's a great actor. And so by having them in the movie, you can trust that this movie is going to be good and worth your time. And so similarly, when it comes to missions, there needs to be a message that goes with it. We can't go and say, oh, just trust me, just do it. There's a message that goes with that that we take to the nations, which brings us to our second point, the message of missions. What is it that we're to proclaim? What is it that's supposed to go out when it comes to missions. And I want us to, to read again verse 23 and verse 24 from our passage. It's what it says, sing to, sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. The people of Israel were to proclaim the salvific work that God had done in, in their life, in their history. They would talk about and include the fact that, you know, God had saved them from their enemies. But in particular, they would talk about the, the great act of salvation for them, which was them being delivered out of, out of slavery to Egypt. They would proclaim that, that the God, that Yahweh was their deliverer. He was the one that rescued them and brought them out of slavery. And this was commanded in, in the Old Testament. We see it was commanded that everyone would tell generation after generation about what God has done. Parents were to tell their kids, to then tell their kids, etc., etc., so that everybody knew the deeds that God had done, the salvific works that God had done for them. And friends, for us, it's much the same, except for us, we, we have a greater message of redemption. See, for, for Israel, their redemption from Egypt was just a foretaste of the greater redemption that was to come 1,300 years later. For, for Israel, they will reflect on how God sent a deliverer through Moses. They were delivered out of slavery. But for us as Christians, we see that the great deliverer came. Jesus himself came to deliver us, not out of a tyrannical world power like Egypt, but a tyrannical spiritual power, slavery to death and sin and being under its forces. Jesus Christ, the incarnate one, came to set free people from all nations, not just from one nation. Israel had, they were the ones taken out, but but Jesus came to set people free from all nations. Whether you're a European or an African or South American or anywhere in between, Jesus came to set those people free. And so on a cold, splintered cross, Jesus died. And he paid the price for your sin and for my sin, for the sins of our world, so that the peoples of the world could be set free from that slavery, could be set free from their um, entrapment and be raised to life on that last day. When Christ himself was raised as the first fruits, we know that, that for those who believe in him, we too will be raised and there's a hope for us at the end of that. And friends, that is the message of missions. 
That is what we're to proclaim to all the nations. That's the salvation, the message of salvation that we're to proclaim to all peoples. That Jesus himself came and he died and he paid the price to redeem all people from any nation out of, out of slavery through faith in him. I've seen this story um, in a guy, as you know, I'm going on a trip to Thailand in a little while, and um, one of the guys who we're working with, his name is, is Arm, and he has an incredible story where he, was, he grew up in a Buddhist culture, and he, um, he was, he was um, following that, that train, and, and then he was saved. People, someone preached the gospel to him, he became saved, and he became a member of the faith community, and he experienced a lot of backlash for that. His, his family cast him aside and said, look, we don't want anything to do with you. We don't want, um, you know, we don't want to talk to you because you're not going to go into the monastery and, and pay for our, um, our sins, which is one of the, the things that's common in the Buddhist culture. And so he endured all that pain. But for him, it was worth it because the message, the, the gospel that had sunken deep into his, his heart was worth it, even though it was painful. And absolutely, he still tries to, to reconnect. It, it's, it was worth it. And so, friends, for us, it has to be a similar thing. If we're going to be missional, then the message of missions has to sink into our hearts as well. We're not going to go and, and tell the nations to be glad if we ourselves are not glad in the salvation that we've received. And so, again, this morning, where do you sit with that? Are you someone that is overjoyed because of the salvation that, that you've received through Jesus? Or has, has the gospel become a little cold? Has it become something that maybe we've taken for granted or forgotten about or not really thought about very deeply? The message of missions that Jesus came to, to set us free, that's got to start in our hearts. It's got to start by being, being um, a source of joy and, and, and praise in our own hearts before we're ever going to be able to go out and tell the world. And so that brings us towards the, the final um, area of, of our um, message this morning and the question beckons how does this happen we've seen that the the end goal is for the nations to worship that's amazing and we know what the message is but but how does that happen that brings us to the the call of missions and i want us to, to turn to a passage matthew 28 i'm sure you've heard of this passage a number of times Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. And we see that the way, the method that God has chosen is to, is to, to use us to take that message. He could, he could stand and speak and let all the nations hear in their own language and they come. He could have chosen to do that. But he chooses to invite us on board for this, the greatest project that the world has ever seen. In verse 19 of chapter 28, this is what it says. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus himself invites us to be a part of taking the gospel, taking this message to the nations. He invites us. This is the, the same God that made the heavens, remember. He's not a, 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 an idol. He's not someone who's made of wood and stone. He's the God that made the heavens. And yet he chooses to use you and I to take this gospel, this message to every nation on the planet. He chooses to use people who are sinful and, and like Jonah, we say, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do things my way. He chooses to use us to take this message to the nations and it's and it's it's, it's our responsibility to, to be obedient to that 
And so finally then what's, what's the process? How does that happen? This is where we're going to sit for a little while and unpack it. And I'm going to read from Romans 10 verse 14 and 15. Um, I know we're jumping around from a couple of passages here and there, but um, Romans 10, 14 and 15 gives us a snapshot of what it's supposed to be like. Now, contextually, um, Paul is talking about reaching Israel and how he's just been saying that, you know, if um, anyone who calls on uh, the name of the Lord will be saved. And he's talking about how his own people, Israel, haven't heard, but it, um, sorry, haven't believed. But it sets up this principle of what it means for, to take the message of the gospel out, what is involved. And this is what it says in verse 14 and 15. It says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In other words, Paul is saying, hey, there are these people that, that, that don't know that salvation comes through Jesus. There are these people that don't know that, but how are they going to hear that? Unless someone goes and tells them, they're not going to hear and how can these people go and tell unless they're sent out? Unless there are people that are, are sending them um, into, the, into the world, into the, these places to preach and to share the gospel. Friends, look, look around us this morning. We have one of the blessings of our church is that we're a multicultural church. Um, I think we're talking on, on Wednesday at Connect Group that at last count we had about 20 to 25 or more different cultures and nationalities in our congregation as a whole. But how did that happen? At some point in history, someone or some group of people were obedient to this call to mission. And they went to the nation. They gave up the comforts that they had. And they went to Asia, to Europe, to America, to Africa, and everywhere else. And they preached the gospel faithfully. They told people about what God had done and how good he was. They proclaimed the salvation of the Lord. And through their work, through their obedience, people in your nations, in our, in our country, even in Australia, heard the gospel and believed. They came to faith and, um, and knowledge and understanding of the gospel and what he, Jesus has done. And so the challenge for us today is, well, what are we going to do now? Are we going to be like them and be obedient and say, okay, I'm going to be part of this mission. I'm going to obey this call. Or are we going to sit here and say, thank you, previous generation. I'm going to enjoy my life here and now and not care about the 29% of the world that still don't have the gospel, that don't care about the 2 billion people that are, uh, have no chance of knowing about the salvation that God has um, enacted. When it comes to missions, and again, I'm talking particularly growing cross-culturally, there's two options for us as Christians. There's two ways that we can respond. There's two things that we can be. We can either be goers or we can be senders. There is no category of Christian that says, I'm not interested in mission at all. There's no category of Christian that says, missions is for someone else. I'm going to do something else completely and not give a care in the world about missions. Other people have put it this way, that for Christians, when it comes to the Great Commissions, there's three choices. To go, to send, or to disobey. As Christians, as believers, we're called to either be a goer and do that passionately or be a faithful sender of others who can go and be on the field. And we're supposed to work together to be a part of this mission that God's given us. It's kind of like, uh, uh, to give an analogy, like, a, like an arm. Imagine your, your fingers, right? We all know how valuable our hands are. We need to pick up things. And we see our fingers and our hands as one of the most valuable parts of our body. But we know, and I'm no science, science nerd here. My brother will attest to that. 
But we know that unless the nerves and the rest of the arm are working, the hand is, 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 is borderline useless pretty much. It sits there and it won't, it won't do anything. It won't be able to be effective. And that's the same kind of idea when it comes to goals and senders. The goers might be the fingers. They might be the, the, the ones who are actually on the field and doing the ministry work or whatever it may be. But unless there's a team of senders behind it, it's not going to be as effective. And that's the, the image that we see, that goers and senders together come together to fulfill this call and obey this call to mission. An example of that on, on a very tangible level is with my trip that I'm going to in Thailand next week. Um, the team of 10 of us were uni students, so we have holidays. We have um, time to invest six months' worth of training for a couple of hours every week. We have the, the usefulness and the energy to go and you know, be going from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. every single day for 28 days. We, we have that capacity, so we can go. We can be goers. We can be the boots on the ground in Thailand. But we need a team of senders. We've needed a team of senders. We've had to raise um, up over about $3,000 to get us on the field per person, $3,000. And we've had people who've, had to, who've, who've sown sacrificially into that financial, who've said, hey, I'm going to support you on missions financially. We've had others that have said, I'm going to pray for you. A couple of weeks ago, I shared about the spiritual uh, warfare that was going on in our team and in, our, um, in what we were, we were experiencing. And for us as a team, that was really heavy. Sometimes we didn't feel like we could get up and pray. We didn't feel like we could keep going. But having a team of people saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about you. And, I'm, and, I'm, I'm, and they give us words of encouragement. We needed that as a team to get through that hard time. That's an example of how senders and goers work together. And that's only just for a, a short-term trip. And so when it comes to us now, what role will you play in this mission? What role are you going to play in taking this gospel to the nations that all people can hear? For some of us, we need to seriously consider whether God is calling us to be a goer. I know it's hard. Maybe you're sitting there saying, oh, I could, I could never go. I could never stand up and preach in front of people. I'm terrible at languages. I, I can't, you know, I can barely learn a new language, let alone preach in another language. I, I can't be a goer. But friends, there's, there's many ways that we can be goers in that sense. We can be, um, the first one example there is we can be preaching and teaching people. We can go, um, and this is the, you know, something that we, we, when we think of the word missionary, we imagine this, people going and preaching and teaching um, in, in overseas countries. That could be something that God calls you to. But another way that God could call you to be a goer is by using the gifts that you already have, the work that you do, to, to go to another country to be that. Um, an example of this was two years ago when I went to Thailand. There was, we met an Amer American businessman and his wife who had come from the U.S. to set up a, a cafe in the heart of Bangkok. And the purpose and the mission of the cafe was to provide a way out for, for women who were stuck in the, the sex trade in, in that city. And through the cafe, he employed these women. Um, he was able to send them to, to university, get education. And through that, he was unable to share the gospel whether it be by just a, a short prayer before every, um, every day when they open or whether it be an intentional conversation at various points, they've seen a, a, a number of women come to faith through that work. That's an example of a man and his wife using the gifts, the entrepreneurial gifts that they've been given to go to another country and to, 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 to be on mission in that way. Other ways that, 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 that we, another way we could be... Um, a goal is by, again, going intentionally to work in a different country. 
I've seen um, people who go to Japan and Thailand who go and they become their English teachers. But the reason they go is because they want to be a faithful member of, that, of a local church there. They want to be an extra body that says, you know what, I can't preach and teach, but you know what, I can play the guitar and lead worship. Or I can greet someone at the door. I can do one-to-one discipleship. I can lead maybe a Bible study with the help of a translator. And so they, they go and they work um, a nine-to-five job, as it were, teaching English or teaching at a school or things like that, being a nurse, whatever it may be. But then they're also intentionally going with, a, with the, the, the purpose of, of supporting the church, supporting a local church, being a faithful member, an extra body on the ground. And that's greatly needed. When I was in Japan last year, one of the things that the church really lacked was bodies, uh, bodies in motion. They had maybe 15 to 20 people, but a lot of them were new Christians. And so a lot of the ministry work, like leading groups or um, talking to people, discipleship, leading praise, all those little things fell to maybe two or three different people. And so by going and saying, I'm going to be intentional with, I'm going to go and I'm going to be on a, live in a different country with the, for the purpose of being part of a local church is another way that we can perhaps be a go. And there's, there's other ways as well. I've just chosen those three as probably the, the most common or, or, or um, common ways that I've seen. So for some of us, we need to consider seriously being a go. We need to come before God and say, God, what would you have me do? Would you have me go cross-culturally? And that's a scary prayer to pray. Because what if God says yes? What if he says, yes, I want you to go. I want you to go to a remote place. Or I want you to go to a place where English is not even on the cards. That's a scary prayer to pray. But for some of us, and I'd say for all of us, we need to at least ask the question, God, what would you have me do? And for some of us, God is going to call us to go. But for the rest of us, for those who, who, who pray and say, God, what would you have me do? And, and maybe God doesn't call you to, to go. For the rest of us, our calling is to be senders, to be people that enable others to go. And so three examples of what that might look like. One, financial support. Being able to invest a part of the income that you earn to, for mission, mission causes. To get behind a, a particular missionary or missionary family um, or a particular organization that does that work and, and invest your, t- your, your money in particular and your financial resources to empower and enable others to do the, the, the hands-on work in that other country. Another, a second example is, is prayer support. Being able to say, okay, you know what, maybe, maybe for me, I can, I, can, I can commit to being regularly in prayer for, for a particular missionary couple or uh, for a nation or for an organization. And not just something that, you know, we do on a, on a mission Sunday here at church, but something that each and every morning we get up and that's on our hearts that I'm going to pray for this nation. I'm going to have the nations on my heart. I'm going to pray for people who are working. We're enabling others to go. And the third category that I thought of was practical support where, again, we're using the gifts that we have here to enable others to go. So, for example, one of the challenges that some of the missionary uh, families that we've um, done ministry with in the past, one of the challenges they've faced is how do they school their children? Because the kids don't know the language. It might take a year or two to learn the language. So maybe as a teacher, you can help create some curriculum or some notes for homeschooling for a year to be able to enable them to, to transition into that country. Or maybe you have other gifts like, you know, you, you, you're, you're in health and you can help um, people who are preparing for the field to grow in their, their health and understand uh, what it, the importance of fitness and et cetera and things like that. Using the, the various gifts that God's given you, maybe the work that you're doing now to empower others to go, to empower others to be the hands. Not because they are, they are, are, are superior in any way, but it's because together we can accomplish this mission. We can be faithful to this call to mission. Whichever way it is as Christians, it's important for us to remember that we have to be either goers or senders. 
We're either people who are boots on the ground or we're people who enable others to be. And as Christians, that's the response we ought to have. And so in closing then, what stops us? As I, as I mentioned, praying that prayer and saying, God, what would you have me do? That's a scary prayer. And maybe you're sitting there and you're going, I could maybe do some of these things. And maybe you've thought about doing some of those things, but the, the, the thought of what God might say is scary. And the reason is because it's going to cost. There's a cost that comes. Because it's going to cost you to sow financially into a, um, another missionary family or organization. It's going to cost you to leave the comforts of Sydney to go to some other place to, to work there or to be um, a preaching and teaching, teaching missionary on the field. It's going to cost. And that cost can, can be something that's a barrier. We say, God, I, I don't know if I can take that. So how do we overcome that? Friends, the only answer is to come back to what we talked about earlier where we, we see the message again. And we see the beauty of it in our own hearts. And in particular, we see the greatest missionary, Jesus himself. He was sent by the Father, right? He says that he was sent by the Father and he came into the earth, to, to the world, to a sin-soaked world. But he came not to bear the message, not to proclaim the message of salvation. He came to be salvation. He came to be the Redeemer. And what did it cost him? It cost him everything. It cost him his life. But for Jesus, it was worth it. He saw the salvation that was to come to people from all nations. And so because of that, he endured the cross. And it's only when we see our Savior and we see the sacrifice that he made, we see the cost that he bore, only then can we then be, okay, God, if that's what you've done for me already, then I want to be faithful even in the little bit that I can do to be part of this mission. And friends, I guarantee you, it's going to be worth it. Because one day, there's going to be a day where people from every tribe, nation, and tongue are gathered before our God. And they're saying, praise and glory be unto Him. Salvation belongs to our God. And on that day, mission will cease. Mission will be no longer. Mission is only a short-term thing because worship right now doesn't exist. But on that day, people from every nation, not just 20 to 25, hundreds of different tribes, languages will be gathered together worshipping the, the God that saved you and I, the God that has saved and the salvation that He has brought. And so friends, I want to encourage you guys to reflect on that, to think about that, to think and, and, and vision forward to that day that's coming and pray and ask God, God, how would you help me be part of this mission? How would you have me make a difference in this world? Because you've already made me different. You've already saved me. You've won my heart. So I want to be faithful to you. I want you to take a, a minute just to reflect and to, to, to come before God. Maybe there's things you need to repent of about how you viewed mission. Maybe you want to ask God that scary question saying, God, what would you have me do? Once you come before God in prayer and then I'll close us off in a little bit. Father God, we, well, we come before you, Lord God, recognizing, Lord, that sometimes, Lord, we don't, we, we haven't even thought about this. Lord God, sometimes we've been so caught up in what we're doing here and now, and some of those things may be very good things. 
But Lord God, one of the things you're calling us to is to be on mission in this way, to think about the nations, to be a part of this, the, the greatest project that humanity has ever seen, to take the gospel, the good news of salvation to all the earth, the very ends of the earth. Father, we, we pray that you would stir our hearts again. We pray that you'd start by giving us a deep-seated joy in our own salvation, a heart that's grateful and thankful for what you have already done. And Lord, that that would then stir us to go, to be faithful and say, I'm, I'm going to go if that's where you're calling me. And if not, then to be faithful, committed senders and enablers. Lord, that no matter where we stand, whether we're goers or senders, that we would be together United, Lord God, in, 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 in wanting to see this mission fulfilled. Because, Lord God, we know that, Lord, until the, the gospel has reached the ends of the earth, Lord God, you're not going to come back. We want that day to come soon. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to have that heart. You'd help us to look forward and see that day where all tribes and nations and people from those groups are gathered before you, singing praise to you. And, Lord God, we can't even begin to imagine what an amazing sight and sound that would be but I pray that you'd stir our hearts. I pray to give us a taste of that. Lord, that we may be faithful and obedient to your call to missions, Father. Lord, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.